thank you so much for listening to another episode of CX Chronicles Podcast. I'm your host, Adrian Brady Chisana. Tune in each week as we listen to amazing customer-focused business leaders from across the world sharing their personal stories about their teams, tools, process, and feedback. Check us out at cxchronicles.com today or listen on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Today's episode is brought to you by SEAL Team Leaders. Your success depends on coordinated action. Discover where your team thrives, what challenges them, and how to improve coordination and output across the board. Find out how leadership actually works and use a Navy SEAL's complete system for coordinating teams. Larry and his team have done some amazing work with some incredible clients across the world. Check out what they're building at SEALteamleaders.com today. Hey folks, thanks so much for listening to another episode of the CX Chronicles podcast. We are thrilled to have each and every one of you guys tuning in every week, listening and learning from amazing customer-focused business leaders from across the world. If you'd like to learn more about how CX Chronicles can help your business, then check out some of the work that we're doing with amazing customers across the world, offering our fractional CXO managed services. We've been helping with customer experience and customer success, team building and scaling. We've been doing customer experience and employee experience scorecards. We've had an incredible time building customer journey maps and living playbooks for some incredible companies across the world. If you need extra customer experience and customer success support and leadership in your business, then reach out to cxchronicles.com today. We would be thrilled to connect with you and learn more about how your business is tackling the four CX pillars. Today's episode is brought to you by GeckoBoard. Seeing the right data at the right time can take your customer experience from good to exceptional. GeckoBoard's real-time dashboards bring all of your key data into one place so you and your team can keep track of your most important numbers throughout the day. Whether you're leading a sales team or a customer support team or you're the founder, GeckoBoard makes it easy to connect directly to the tools you use and creates dashboards everyone on the team will love checking out. So go ahead and surface your team's most important data by trying GeckoBoard out for free at www.geckoboard.com backslash CX Chronicles. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of the CX Chronicles podcast. Super excited uh, for today's show, guys. We are welcoming Larry Yash, the CEO of SEAL Team Leaders. Larry, why don't you say hello to the CX Nation, my friend? Hey, nation out there. I'm, I'm excited just from the time that we spent talking ahead of time. I'm looking forward to this. So guys, Larry's got, Larry's got an awesome story. He's got an awesome background and he's got a super cool business that he's going to share with us today. Um, spends a ton of time thinking about leadership, spends a ton of time thinking about how, how to work with other awesome customer focused business leaders, plus has a really, really cool background and upbringing. So Larry, why don't you take the first couple minutes, man, set the stage for the CX Nation, give him a sense for... Number one, who you are, where you came from, and some of the stepping stones and some of the, the early experiences that you kind of went through in your career, um, and definitely get into how you formed SEAL Team Leaders and your, your business that you're, you're building and growing today. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, I, my background, it all started for me in third grade when I saw Top Gun. 
Yeah. And it's kind of, it's interesting. I, my dad visited for the first time in a couple of years and I got to take my dad and my two sons to see the new Top Gun. Like we, we just saw it last night, Larry. My wife and I just saw it last night. Yeah, this, awesome this weekend. Quick, I agree. And so literally I saw, I was in third grade, I saw Top Gun. And by the time I left the theater, I decided I was going to be a fighter pilot. And then I found out about the Naval Academy and all the best fighter pilots we're in the Navy from the Naval Academy. So that was my goal from the time I was in third grade. Uh, about seventh grade, a friend of mine got me a sweatshirt that said Navy SEALs on it just because it said Navy and had a cool logo because late <laughs> 80s, early 90s, no one knew what a Navy SEAL was. I know right. I didn't. Yeah. So I went to the library and literally like Dewey Decimal System looked up Navy SEALs and found a book called The Men with Green Faces. And by the end of the book, it was a Vietnam era SEAL book. I was convinced that fighter pilots were pansies and I needed to be a Navy SEAL. <laughs> so that was that was it for me. And uh, so I did go to the Naval Academy on an engineering degree from there and then went straight into the SEAL program as an officer. Uh, graduated uh, buds at the top of my class and got to choose whatever team I wanted to go to and chose SEAL Team 3 uh, based on the fact that it was responsible for the Middle East. Uh, this was in 1999. So you know, pre 9-11, there was, you know, nothing really going on. And I figured if there was, it'd be in the Middle East. And as we know from history, very accurate. <laughs> like it yeah. was a you know, very busy time. So I was a combat leader in the SEALs for 10 years until I got injured and medically retired in 2008. And it was in 2007 when I was going through a bunch of surgeries and I knew uh, back surgery went really bad and the surgeon said my career was over and it was laying in that hospital bed you know my whole life all I'd ever want to do was be a SEAL that was my full my full full-on purpose was protecting the country as a special operator and uh, faced with having no purpose was was a rough spot and so being able to identify that I had more to offer the country than just being a weapon uh, was, I'd say, the turning point for me, that my ability to lead and teach uh, others into effective leadership was really what made me successful as an officer in the SEALs. And so from that point, I decided to get into training. So built and ran a series, literally in the hospital, Bethesda Naval Hospital in 2007, decided I was going the entrepreneurial route, which is somewhat unique because I'm not a born entrepreneur. Like I'm not, I didn't have businesses when I was in school. I was out playing, you know, Navy SEAL in the woods. Uh, I chose entrepreneurship as a mechanism to produce the life that I wanted, a life of freedom. And in that, you know, I think that's one of the, uh, at least the misconceptions is that as an entrepreneur, you're free. Like I, I found that that was a big lie, right? Being being an entrepreneur is kind of the least free I've ever been. And that's really the, the what inspired ultimately our third company was SEAL Team Leaders, was creating an environment to, to allow entrepreneurs to be free uh, and gain freedom from their business. And so that's, that's how we started SEAL Team Leaders, was to be able to leverage all of our skills in behavior change, training, uh, and team, op team optimization to bring that freedom to entrepreneurs that they most of them started their businesses to have i love it i mean so number one there thank you for sharing that i think so many different follow-up questions right out of the gates here i think mm -hmm. i i always say this all the time guys in the show but like the talk about the different walks of life for how people find 
what they're doing, building or leading today, right? Like, so yeah. when you bring up um, just the military piece and the Navy SEAL piece and the special ops piece, like what an incredible foundation for, because let's call it what it is. Everybody on the show that's listening knows whether you're, whether you're leading and managing a business or whether you're building and owning and, and, and scaling your business, yeah. man, building companies, building teams, building customer portfolios, it is one of the most difficult battles that anybody can enter into. And it's funny. Let's call it. Here's the other part there. Nobody talks about this, but let's just call it out. Like this is why business owners and entrepreneurs and founders are in a minority. It is one of the most yeah. difficult challenges. It's one of the most trying, it breaks families apart, breaks marriages yeah. apart. It, it makes, you know, parents not be able to see that. Like, come on, let's call it. This is, this is some of the sacrifice that goes into actually building, you know, dynamite sustainable company that can actually give you, everything that you want. Right. Or, and I, and I love that you call this part out too, because I think it's funny, man, you, depending on who you, who you ask and you say, well, why'd you start your business? I like that you're super direct and clear about the fact that you knew that it would be a vehicle to get you the things that you wanted and the places that you wanted to go in life. I know for, for me with CX Chronicles, 100% the same thing. I was literally just joking with Larry guys uh, before today's uh, show about, you know, for me, I loved building other companies CX and CS teams. And I loved working with the, all these different executive leadership teams, but you do get to a point in your life where eventually you start to understand kind of what drives you, what you want, what you want more of, what you want less of. And this is one of why, why building companies and, and being a founder or being an aspiring business owner is just one of the most incredible ways of really kind of fulfilling a lot of your dreams and doing the things that you want to do. So awesome, awesome stuff out of the gates. There, why don't we start with the first pillar team? I'd love to learn more about your team at SEAL team leaders, can you talk a little bit about sort of how you've built out the different roles or built out some of the different focus areas? And I'd love for you to kind of just spend a minute kind of talking about uh, some of the people that you've pulled around all of this incredible um, ideas and mission that you work on with your customers today. I'd say, first off, the we, we have a belief. Uh, we have a belief that uh, your success in life is 100% dependent on your ability to team. And I think this is a fundamental principle for everyone. If you look at anywhere in your life that you're experiencing struggle or pain or suffering, you are not coordinating action well with those around you. It's, yep. it's always tied together. Anywhere you're experiencing success in your life, uh, fulfillment, joy, uh, accomplishment, you are coordinating action at a high level. And so at the most fundamental level, your ability to coordinate action determines not only the accomplishments you produce in life, but the experience of success yep. in your life. And that to me is unbelievably important based on the fact that as an entrepreneur, we have a million things vying for our attention and our attention and focus is our most limited and valuable resource. And understanding that at the core of every problem you have in your business is a uh, coordination of action issue is is discord with some team and that team could be either your team to your client or inside of one of your departments or between departments or between leadership and the department the the actual team those four areas house every problem you've got and yep. part of why i think what you do is so important right being able to create those relationships with the clients and having that be smooth is one of the most critical aspects of producing success in a business. hundred percent. It's funny, man. I, and, I, and I appreciate you calling that out, but you're right. It's like this notion of teamwork, collaboration, communication. I talk about this all the time, Larry. So, so our listeners are going to roll their eyes when I say it, but this is, 
This is super important. Establishing areas of accountability, yeah. uh, authority, and uh, and the ability to really make sure that you're identifying who's responsible for what, right, is huge, man. And I would argue one of the biggest jobs of every business owner and every executive leadership team member in the world, man, right? Like, if, yeah, you're there to make some of these big, difficult, hairy, stressful decisions, no doubt about it. And then let's call it what it is. The bigger these companies get, the bigger some of these organizations get, you are literally, you have fiduciary responsibility for just a tremendous amount of value, right? If, you, if you're talking about a guy or gal that's running a business that has north of a thousand employees, like this stuff gets really, really serious. But still at the end of the day, laying out those lines in the sand, uh, making it super clear who owns what, who needs to communicate with who. It's one of the easiest places to start when you're thinking about like effective team, um, team collaboration, team experience. I love that you bring that up too, man, because it's, it's super important, right? If you don't have um, a, a plethora of positive experiences occurring regularly on a team, you're not going to have people who want to stick around that team very long. Yeah. We're going to look for another team where they can get that, that good stuff. So I love well, it. So let, let's just, uh, I'll jump on the bandwagon and have your audience roll their eyes more. I don't know if that's the goal <laughs> of this, but I, I, I got to put my two cents in here. The, the biggest limitation to every company that we work with is their ability to hold, pass, or accept responsibility. Like that is the biggest limitation to every organization. Like what my, when I look at the team that I was operating in, in the SEALs versus the teams that I built initially in my initial companies. And now with all the companies that we see, the biggest difference is the, the level of responsibility that's held as a SEAL every, every time I, one of my SEALs committed to holding a responsibility, they did like I, there's for 10 years of operating in what would have been countless commitments made, I can think of five times that uh, a SEAL didn't do what they said they were going to do. Yeah. Like it was like breathing. Like yeah. I didn't have to think about it. If someone, yes. if I gave someone clear direction, clear standard of performance, they committed to doing it. They did it hundred percent of the time. I get into the civilian world. If someone does 80% of what they're supposed to do, 50% of the time, they're a high performer. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That blows my mind. Yeah. And so that ability, because why do we have teams? The only reason we have teams is to share responsibilities because we are insufficient to do it alone. Yep. So that if teams are what produce success, your ability to hold, pass, and accept responsibilities is the only reason you team. If you don't do that well, then you can't have success. I love that. I think it's an incredible, an incredible learning lesson for sure. I think the other thing it immediately makes me think about on the organizational side of things, Larry, is like, this is why uh, having clarity, visibility, and socializing the hell out of your OKRs or your strategic yep. objectives or your primary goals and mission as a business, whether they're broken into monthly, quarterly, annual. This is why if you're not, if you're not already doing things like that, you almost don't even allow for the team to understand and kind of take a look at like uh, the greater map or the greater direction of where the ship is, 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 is heading and decide whether or not that's a ship that they want to be on or those are, are the, the type of waters they want to be in. Is it the type of direction and speed and pace that they want to be a part of or isn't it right? And I think that this is why it's just such an awesome, um, you know, idea for our listeners to take back, which is that that's part of our job guys. It's literally part of that is arguably our biggest job as um, as business owners and executives is to make sure that we're actually 
constantly reminding people of where we're going. By the way, I think it's both ways, Larry. I think it's customers, so externally. I think it's, and then it's employees all damn day internally. It's making sure that you're triangulating on those two different views. Um, Larry, I'd love to dive into the second CX pillar of tools, man. So you've been able to work with all these awesome businesses. You've worked with several different types of uh, executives, different types of industry sets, and and you and the team at Seal are building out your own your own your own business. Spend a couple of minutes talking about some of the tools that you've kind of leveraged, or some of the um, the different ways that you've seen some of your clients really kind of leverage tools to grow a business, scale a business, and really to, to kind of help build out an incredible customer experience. So we're um, where I am, which then means that the culture of the organization follows from the leadership. Uh, I am a systems-based person. If I have to do something more than twice, I'm gonna I'm gonna build a tool so I never have to do it again. So when you say tools, like I get all excited because that's all. <laughs> I mean. Our core function is behavior change, influencing behavior change. We have 35 structured tools, three pieces of software we built all designed to systematically change behavior. But the ones I wanna share, I, I think I'll share, the ones that I think will have the greatest impact is when I looked at, when I looked at the teams that occupy the civilian sector versus in the special operations community, there were three gaps that exist in a huge way. And we already covered the first one, which is the ability to hold responsibility. Yep. Like that was, I just took that for granted. So one of the most functional tools we use is, is a, a scripted format for passing responsibilities. Okay. Because if you don't have a real structured format for passing and accepting responsibilities, then you're just guessing if it's going to be able to be held or not. You're hoping. Yep. So that'd be the first tool that, that one, we leverage internally. And it's usually the first tool we work with organizations to implement is, is a structured format for passing, holding, accepting responsibility. The next piece that I took for granted in the SEALs is that I could give someone direct feedback and that they would implement it. Yep. Uh, it blew me away when I sat in my, one of my first meetings with one of my employees. They had made a commitment to hold a responsibility. They didn't. I brought them in and, and I was simply asking why. And they cried. They were crying in front of me. And I, I, I was blown away. Like, I should be crying that you said you were going to do something. You didn't do it. I don't understand how I'm not yelling at you. You're not in trouble. I'm just wondering why. I'm you're assuming there's no crying that. in the Navy SEALs either, right, Larry? No, I mean, there's, like they say, there's no crying in baseball. There is not, there is no emotion in the Navy SEAL, much yeah, less crying. Right, like, right. You can get to show anything. Yeah. So the second piece is a systematic tool to be able to give feedback in a way that it can be received that creates connection. Yeah. Most ways people give feedback, at best the person can receive it, but they always feel distance created, not connection. Definitely. And so that's, that's a very, very important tool. The third one is we just took for granted that you planned. Mm -hmm. Like you, we plan for everything. Yeah. Like if we finish a training mission and we were going to go to get burritos, we put a plan together as to how to go get burritos as a group. Yep. But you've got some of the highest performing people in the world and they're taking the time out to actually go plan to go get burritos. You get into a business, other than strategic planning, they rely on the individual expertise of the manager to come up with how to get it done. Yep. And there's no systematic process for planning. So that'd be my, my third tool that we usually bring into organizations that I think is critical 
is the ability to systematically plan not for big things, yeah. but for small things. I love it. I, I had, um, I had a, a college professor that I remembered vividly, Larry, to this day, his main lesson that he, he definitely put into me for the rest of my life was he would say proper planning prevents poor performance. And he would tell us regularly, like once a week, if you don't learn anything from me all semester, I don't care. But what you need to remember me for is proper planning pre prevents poor performance. This was in a business class. So he was thinking about it, not from a, yeah. from a military type of way, but from more of like a business preparation way. And the idea of like, look, the, the more time you take to sharpen the ax, the faster it is to cut down the tree. Or another way of thinking about it, going back to our team, some of our team discussion parts, like if you guys think that you're going to be able to run a team, manage a team, grow a team, build a team, or better yet, get a bunch of human adults to just cooperate and to play nicely and to not hurt each other's feelings or make each other cry, whether it's right or wrong. He talked about this, this notion of the preparation. So I love that. I think it's, it's, I think it's brilliant and something that every one of us um, needs to be thinking about and, and, and really trying to instill into our team every day. The other well, big thing that about, I think about how this gets in what we're talking about, what's the sole purpose of a plan? The sole purpose of a plan is to coordinate action. Yep. The, the only reason that we have a team is to share responsibilities and coordinate action through coordination of action. We get to experience success through producing accomplishments. So there is a direct line through everything we're talking about. Yep. We can't hold responsibilities without planning and we can't have success without being able to hold responsibilities. hundred percent. And, and, you know, I was just going to say the other thing that I, uh, the, the feedback part that you mentioned, the direct candid yep whether it's 360 feedback reports, whether it's your quarterly, your quarterly, you know, team-based reflections, whatever the hell you guys are calling them, most people actually need direct candid feedback to understand whether or not, number one, they're doing a phenomenal job or number two, when they're, where they're falling short. I think every one of us has to think about what delivery mechanism and obviously people are all different. So you need to know which people are potentially your criers versus which people are going to ask for more, or they might ask for it to be even more candid, or they might ask for you to, 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 to drop all of the fluff and be direct, you know, direct as, as possible so that they can actually get better. Right. So I think that's the other piece, but it's funny Larry, And I, I don't know what your experience has been with this, but a lot of companies don't do a good job with that. And I think I, I, I might know where, and I think a lot of times too, if you think about it, man, it does start with the C-suite, right? If like, yeah. if your C-suite does that really well, has open, candid, uh, highly communicative and super direct types of exchanges, your extended leadership team probably has that. And if your extended leadership team has that, then guess what? Most of your troops, most of your, 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 your boots on the ground, they're going to probably get that from their middle management, right? So it really is a top down. But guys, these are all things that I think is customer focused business leaders, the people that are constantly thinking about leveraging and triangulating CX and EX, this is how you can absolutely separate yourself from the pack. This is how you can become a completely different type of modern leader. And the bottom line is everybody and anybody is going to respect when you have an individual who is going to be direct, they're going to be candid, and they're going to give you uh, the, the, the bottom line. Because that's frankly, everything else is so hard, cutting through fat, cutting through noise, cutting through incomplete or sometimes even false uh, messaging yep. and feedback. That's hard, man. That just complicates this stuff, Larry. So. The key piece I want, I don't want to get lost is, you know, your how do you, the question I'll ask is, how do you know if you're giving effective feedback? And the, the obvious, easy response is that behavior changes, right? Yeah. So if I'm giving you feedback and your behavior yeah. changes while I'm being effective, but that's only half of the equation. Performance is half of the equation. Connection is the other half. If your behavior changes, 
But at the end of it, you feel further than me, like more disconnected to me than you were before, then I didn't do a good job giving feedback. So when people are out there looking like, am I doing a good job of feedback? One, is the behavior change? Two, do they feel closer to you after the feedback you give them or do they feel more distant? Yep. That's, yep. that's the critical aspect. That's where it gets really hard. And that ends up being, the way we solve that is linguistics. Like linguistic patterns are necessary to produce effective change and connection. But if you can do both of those, then you're crushing feedback. Love it. I love it. Larry, I'd love to dive into the third CX pillar process, man. So like, and we've kind of already started to hit on this, but like even as far back as the SEALs and Navy and some of these awesome companies that you've been a, a part of helping to build, um, I'd love to just ha- hear kind of some of the things that you've sort of learned over your journey around process. So think the way that you capture some of this these expectations, the way that you document, the way that you um, can give other smart people views, windows, or content, or usable, digestible content into understanding what the story is or understanding what the standard operating procedures are. Spend a few minutes talking about sort of how you've kind of tackled process as you've gotten deeper into your career and some some ideas or some tips and tricks that you kind of have found along the way that could be really valuable for our listeners. The, uh, to me, process is everything. Um, and I'd say, I'm going to, if you don't mind, I'm going to go on a higher, uh, I want to answer this on a, a, a fundamental level, because I think yeah. this will have a bigger impact than, than some tips or tricks. Absolutely. Is, um, is your goal in your business to be relevant or irrelevant? The, the absolute goal is to be irrelevant. Like as a CEO, if I'm absolutely irrelevant to my business, then I've created a sound, strong business. As a manager, if I'm irrelevant to my team, then I've created a sound, strong team. Yeah. Most of us, because of our need to be valued, our need to be wanted, our need to be important, create an environment where our relevance is critical to success. Yeah we, our goal should be irrelevant. And so finding anywhere in your world where you have, there is a need for you is opportunity to identify process structure automation to get yourself out of it. And, and you can think of this from the same perspective of being a parent. My job as a parent is not to be relevant in my children's lives. My job is to be completely irrelevant in their life. And from that position where they have no need for me, we can have pure connection and love. But if they need me, then there's always a barricade between that connection. So my job in life is to become irrelevant to everyone around me from business to personal. I love that. I love that. I mean, it makes a tremendous amount of sense. You hear so often um, you know, especially for folks that are building companies or building teams, managing and leading teams, you know, to, you have to find time to work on your business, not in your business. And when I hear you say uh, being relevant or irrelevant, I don't think about it as a negative way at all. I, I, Larry, I, I was just joking with you before we started diving in today, man, I would love to be able to um, continue to work with all these incredible companies, but have my team do it and have, and have our solutions do it and have some of our, and, and, and the reality is obviously like so many of our listeners, you know, we're building the stuff. So I've got to be a part of it because that's where the learning and the finding and the, 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 the progress, right. Coming back to this stuff every damn day of the week and just inching forward. Right. That's because that ultimately, uh, you know, we don't probably talk about it enough in the show, but like 
the action is what drives everything. So like for people that are on the fence, on maybe I want to start a business, maybe I want to be a, an executive, get ready to provide, uh, provide and take a tremendous amount of action every single day. It's the only way that you will actually be in that world. I don't disagree with Larry where it is still common where sometimes, you know, showing up is unfortunately 80% of the battle. So depending yeah. on where you're at in your own corporate ladder or your own career trajectory, uh, I think it's an old Woody Allen quote, but like it really truly is. If you're really going to be the type of guy or gal that shows up 80% of the time, you're statistically improving your chances of being able to accelerate and move ahead. But I love this idea of um, really focusing on almost finding the areas where you can be completely irrelevant and letting the business, the process, the team, the solutions and all of the things that you've engineered over time run themselves. That's ultimately what, what the goal is. So I love it. Um, has there been maybe one or two examples, Larry, where you've seen certain clients or even with some of the work that you guys do at SEAL, has there been like uh, certain exercises or certain tools or certain different types of ways that you can kind of get a team to unite around how you can rapidly kind of improve or optimize the way that the processes are functioning? A lot of our company, a lot of our listeners are startups, man. They, they will openly admit to you they don't have any playbooks, they don't have any knowledge base, they don't have any FAQs written because they're figuring stuff out every day. So I'd love to kind of, has there been a, like an example of something that you've seen that can at least kickstart this stuff or give yeah, up? Yeah, I would ideas? say, so again, I'm going to answer this on a, fun, not fundamental, but I'm going to answer this on a, a level that's, if this doesn't exist, you can't do what you're talking about. Um, most people, most managers or leaders of an organization or heads of a startup, uh, believe that we would be perfect if I was managing my team to 100% of their capacity, right? Like I'm optimizing every minute of their day. Yep. The reality is that that's ineffective, right? Most people, most organizations are over capacity, right? So someone ends their day and they still have 20% of their tasks undone, yep. right? That's really poor management. Tight management would say, well, at the end of the day, I'm done, right? I've done all my tasks. In reality, we need to manage our people to 80% capacity, meaning they, they have to have excess capacity in their day to want to help others on their team, right? If I'm at 100% capacity and you come to me with a problem, I have to say no, because if I say yes to helping you, then I break a commitment on my side. Yep. The other thing is I don't have time to learn. Like I can't learn if I'm on hundred percent capacity. And if I can't learn, I can't get more effective, more efficient. I can't innovate. The third part that you miss if I'm on hundred percent capacity is I can't spend time on my role. Like you're saying in my business versus on my business, yeah, yeah, in yeah. my role versus on my role. Yep. If I don't have part of my time to spend on my role, then I can't possibly put together processes, structures, yep. SOPs. So the thing to remember for the startup is, slow down to go fast. Yep. Like you have to slow down. You have to decrease your overall commitments in order to start building a sustainable organization that can then speed up. Yep. So I'd say that'd be my answer is like, don't worry about SOPs until you manage your people to have capacity to start working on their SOPs. Because yep. if you put it on top of their already over capacity selves, they're going to leave. Yep. Awesome ideas. You know, just, just one quick note on this. It's funny as we've gotten um, more and more at bats with these incredible growth focused companies that we work with at CXC. Um, what we've definitely learned over the last two plus years, Larry, is 
establishing, identifying, and validating specific CX and CS focused calls to action. We call them our CXCCTAs, right? Calls to action. Like you might have the team, you might have the leader who or or has anyone identified all these different calls to action that are low hanging fruit right in front of you. But then the next part, I love that you talk about this capacity uh, best practice, which is oftentimes uh, more often than not is we can start identifying and teeing up, prioritizing, breaking out, compartmentalizing all the different facets of how you need to accomplish the CTAs. But it's super common to have these these companies where because everybody's already at 100% capacity, all these brilliant, smart, awesome guys and gals that should literally be helping to expedite your revenue growth, building better products for tomorrow, figuring all the cool shit out that your customers are asking for, they can't even tackle the next five CTAs that are literally going to propel you in the future. So I, so this is like, this is gold right here, Larry, that I want everyone to kind of stop, stop this part of the show, re-listen to it, think yeah. about how you can bring that back into your team tomorrow. Cause that's like a brilliant, brilliant piece of advice. Larry, slow uh, down uh, to go fast. Slow down to go fast. I love it. I love it. And every one of us has to do that. Um, <laughs> I'd love to dive into the fourth and the final um, CX pillar feedback, man. I'm excited about this. Cause you kind of hit on some of this with how you guys manage this uh, in the, in the Navy and in the, in the SEALs, but I'd love just to hear you talk for a couple minutes about the way that you've kind of sort of learned and, and, and built your own little playbook around customer feedback. And I'd love to kind of have you spend a minute or two talking about the same type of um, thing that you've seen with how you can solicit employee feedback. Spend a few minutes kind of talking about what you've learned about yeah, um, so how on you, the, you get at this. On the customer side, I like, it, as opposed to getting traditional feedback where you ask someone, how did we do or a survey or like, uh, I like to think of customer feedback from a perspective of metrics. Like what numbers can I look at from our side to validate that we're hitting our goals or objectives? That to me is more, more useful than someone telling us something. Cause a lot of times people are just nice. Like we <laughs> built one of, we built one of our companies in Minnesota and Minneapolis. And it is like, they are so nice there that you could have done a horrible job. And they're like, Oh, <laughs> everything was great. Like it was great. Perfect. We love it. And then yeah. they leave and never come back. And so I learned to trust more on metrics that I can see on performance than someone's direct feedback. So I'd say that would be an innovation that we've had around customer feedback is number numbers, not words. Uh, When it comes to employee feedback, I'm going to measure that based off of the connection of the team. Okay. So the, how strong of a connection does my employee feel to their, their coworkers and to, the organization, and then to us as management within the organization. If that connection is strong, then they're, they're like voting their feedback with that, that perceived connection. And that connection comes down to authenticity, vulnerability, and trust. So how do I assess if one of my team members feels strongly connected is going to be based on the degree to which they are authentic the degree to which they are vulnerable and to the degree to which they lead with trust as opposed to distrust. Yep. So again, I'm, I'm odd in that as opposed to being uh, receiving it, being reactive to feedback, I'm being proactive in it and looking at underlying things that wouldn't normally directly be tied to feedback. I love that. You just gave me a bunch of different ideas for how every single solitary um you know, business leader out there can be thinking about how they could build their own unique or custom 
yeah. uh, employee experience scorecards or team scorecards or whatever you guys are doing for your current um, your current team validation or assessment strategies right now, Larry, those are brilliant ideas, man. I love the authentic piece because let's call it what it is. We spend literally more time with the people that we work with than we yeah. do with our wives and our kids and our brothers and our sisters, which is ridiculous, but it's the truth. And every one of us goes through it. The other thing too, is there's something about comfortability, man. I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm thinking about this because I literally just saw, I just saw Top Gun last night too. So this is fresh <laughs> in my head. But for and I'm and I'm saying this because let's call it what it is. This is smashing box box office record. So a lot of our listeners probably have already seen it. But like, think about the the the, the point in the flick where Maverick breaks the group to the beach, yeah. to drink beer and play football and hang out and be human together. Like just be yeah. normal together. Get away from the F-18s. Get away from the stress, the pressure, the bullshit, the minutia, and like figure out how to like bond with someone on a human level like as a friend as a colleague as a co like so and 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 then you think about right after that is when they started getting getting it together pulling it together figuring out the actual specifics and granularities of the mission but but trusting each other and building a team and really supporting each other so like awesome ideas there man um Larry this has been an absolute pleasure man I've been uh, thrilled to have you on the show awesome ideas before we let you go um, where can people find out more about you, sir? Where can people find out about um, uh, SEAL Team Leaders? And then spend a minute or two talking about your book too, man. I want to make sure that people know where they can find your book. Yeah, so that, that's actually what I was going to direct people. We've, uh, we are so, uh, so proud and so excited that our services have really been exclusive to large companies. You know, that's, we, we for years have just been working with companies that have a lot of money to spend on, on, optimizing their teams, creating clear, coordinated action. And that was, that wasn't fulfilling our mission. Our mission is permanent positive change in people's lives. And we were having that permanent positive change, but just not a lot of people by, by the nature of how we, we uh, met with our clients. And so having the opportunity to bring these very expensive lessons to, to into the reach of everyone through first the book, uh, which is how leadership actually works. And so uh, the book we launched just over a month ago, uh, it's been doing great. You can find it on Amazon. Uh, the other way, best way to get to us is howleadershipactuallyworks.com. The book website has uh, information about the book, some of the software assessment tools that we, we leverage with businesses. Uh, and then the other cool thing that we're really excited about is uh, we started a, a group coaching offer. So the ability to have individuals at a very low price point get the same type of service that we're charging hundreds of thousands of dollars for companies to do it in groups. And that they get direct access to me once a month to, to my two partners plus some of our team. So that's been one of the things that we're most excited about, you know, low cost opportunity for individuals to, to gain deeper understanding of these things uh, and bring it back to their teams to create that permanent positive change. I love it. Well, look, Larry, it's it's awesome work that you guys are doing. I uh, love the story. Huge thank you for coming on the show and, and sharing it with all of us. And uh, I'm going to look forward to continuing our relationship and our discussion in the future, my friend. I agree. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the CX Chronicles podcast. We're thrilled to have you as a part of the CX Nation, tuning into customer-focused business leaders from across the world. Be sure to check out the CXC website, and as always, find us on any of your favorite podcast players, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and more.
Thanks so much for making this show a reality and being a part of the CX Nation. And as always, folks, remember to make happiness a habit.